0: It's Thursday, October 31st. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, the House of Representatives set the ground rules for its impeachment inquiry into President Trump. And Republicans aren't happy. I guess it's only fitting you take this vote on Halloween. We'll tell you what you need to know. Meanwhile, Twitter says it's so done with politics. We'll explain why that matters. And finally, Americans are dropping big bucks on Halloween costumes this year for their pets. We're here to make your Halloween smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about impeachment. The House of Representatives got together for a big vote today, but it wasn't to impeach the president. They're not there yet. Republicans have been complaining about the impeachment inquiry going on behind closed doors. And they argue the inquiry isn't legit because there was no vote by the full House of Reps to authorize it. Dems have said, we don't need a vote. But this week, they finally gave in and agreed to put it in writing. Democrats introduced an eight-page resolution that directs certain committees to keep doing what they're doing, to decide whether there's enough evidence to impeach President Trump. And this morning... On this vote, the yeas are 232... The nays are 196. So today we're going to get into what the resolution says, what it means for the White House, and who stepped out of party lines. Let's get into it, starting with what's in this resolution. It's like a user manual. It basically lays out the groundwork for what the rest of the impeachment inquiry will look like. Because the closed-door hearings are going public. The public hearings could reportedly start in less than two weeks with the House Intelligence Committee, They've kinda taken the lead on investigating the call between President Trump and the president of Ukraine. Today's vote authorizes them to share the transcripts of the closed-door hearings they've had so far. The plan is, in these new open hearings, they'll share what they've learned throughout the inquiry and bring back some of the witnesses they've already talked to behind closed doors. Witnesses like the former ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Yovanovitch, or the acting ambassador, Bill Taylor, Maybe the ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sondland, or the top White House advisor on Ukraine, Alexander Vindman. They all made big news when they spoke in private, because their statements were leaked to the press. Now, we'll get to hear the news straight from the horses' mouths. So, here are the rules of the game. The top Democrat and top Republican on the Intel Committee will get to question the witnesses for up to an hour and a half each. That's two California congressmen, Adam Schiff, who's the Democratic committee chair, and Devin Nunes, the Republican ranking member. If they want, they can let staff lawyers ask the questions instead. When they're done, the other committee members will then get to ask questions to the witnesses for five minutes each. After they've held all the hearings they want to hold, the House Intelligence Committee will write up a report and hand it off to the Judiciary Committee. Then, the Judiciary Committee can decide where to go from there. Maybe they'll have more hearings. It's up to them. At the end, the Judiciary Committee will go back to the full House with a new report. And maybe articles of impeachment. So that's what we can expect in the next phase of the impeachment investigation. But what does this mean for the White House? Remember, the White House has been saying for a while it wouldn't cooperate with the impeachment inquiry. In part because there hadn't been a full House vote to authorize it. The White House even called the inquiry, quote, "...constitutionally invalid." To be clear, there's no rule saying that the House has to vote to open an impeachment inquiry. All the Constitution says is that the House has, quote, the sole power of impeachment. But the White House still hasn't cooperated and has tried to block administration officials from cooperating too. Today's resolution now gives the White House a role to play in the inquiry. Once the investigation goes to the Judiciary Committee, Trump's legal team would be able to participate and even cross-examine the witnesses. So does that mean the White House will be super cooperative now? Don't hold your breath. White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham said the resolution only showed that the inquiry has been a, quote, illegitimate sham. Ouch. Since the resolution passed, this process is a go. But not everyone's on board. Like we said, this vote passed along party lines. Almost. Two Democrats broke with the rest of the party and voted against the inquiry. That's Minnesota Congressman Colin Peterson and New Jersey Congressman Jeff Van Drew. Van Drew is a conservative Democrat and has opposed the impeachment investigation for weeks. Last month, Trump personally thanked Van Drew in a tweet for questioning the impeachment process. Peterson represents a district that went for Trump in 2016 by 30 points. He's reportedly called the impeachment process a bad use of Congress's time. And today, after the vote, he said he won't make a decision on impeachment until all the facts come out. So what's the skim? Today's vote shows this is all actually happening, which it has been for a while. But now the rules are laid out and everyone knows the game plan. But first, we still have some more closed-door hearings to get through. Like today, the White House National Security Council's top Russia advisor, Tim Morrison, who was also on the call between Trump and Ukraine's president, told investigators what he heard. And according to reports, he didn't think there was anything illegal going on but he did have concerns about it and told White House lawyers. Now he's quitting his job. I guess that's one way to make an exit. Twitter can be a pretty nasty place. Trolls aren't going away anytime soon, and creeps sliding into your DMs probably aren't either. But now the social media platform says it's going out on a limb and banning political advertisements starting next month. CEO Jack Dorsey, who's at Jack if you're curious, said Wednesday that political ads on the Internet had become more powerful than traditional political ads on TV. On the Internet, he said ad buyers can now use micro-targeting or machine learning to target specific people with specific messages and do all of that without that much effort. He said the results can impact millions of lives. So instead of spending a lot of time and energy regulating political ads, Twitter's decided to just leave that money on the table. Speaking of money, we should point out Twitter says it made less than $3 million from political ads in the 2018 midterms. That's not much compared to the more than $2 billion they made in ad revenue in all of 2018. So it's not like Twitter's gonna go broke ditching political ads. But it could do wonders for Twitter's brand image and help users feel confident that the company is doing the right thing. And it could also be a shot at Facebook. Remember, just last week, Facebook co-founder Mark Zuckerberg was on Capitol Hill and faced some skepticism when it came time to explain his company's policy on political ads. He struggled to defend why a politician like Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez should be allowed to take out ads containing provable lies about her opponents. I mean, if you're not fact-checking political advertisements, I'm just trying to understand the, the bounds here. What's fair game? Uh, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. I think So probably. you don't know if I'll be able to do that? A lot of people criticize Facebook for putting revenue over social responsibility. So Twitter making the first move here could give it some major first-mover advantage, a term from the business world for the perks of being ahead of the pack. But like most things online, not everyone agrees with Twitter's decision. Because in addition to banning political ads from candidates and campaigns, Twitter CEO says it's also banning issue ads. Think ads about issues debated in Washington that have national implications, like immigration, healthcare, or climate change. That last one has some people furious. They say it's a scientific fact, not an issue that should be up for debate. So just more proof that, online, everyone finds a way to disagree about everything. It's Skim Money Thursday, and we want to talk about how some recent companies are making moves that could affect your wallet. You may have heard of the streaming wars between top platforms like Apple TV Plus and Disney Plus. But have you heard of the grocery wars? We're talking about big companies like Walmart, Target, and Amazon, all entering the grocery delivery game. It's a small but fast-growing part of the e-commerce industry. By 2022, an estimated $100 billion a year will be spent in online grocery shopping. For a while, the least expensive option to get your oat milk delivered to your door was Walmart. Last month, the company expanded its grocery delivery service called Delivery Unlimited to more stores at the cost of $98 a year or $12.95 a month. Now Amazon is saying, we see you Walmart and we raise you one better. Amazon had been charging a $14.99 fee to Prime members who wanted to have their food delivered. Now it says that fee is going away, for some. If you're already a Prime subscriber living in one of 20 major cities, you'll get your groceries delivered to your door in two hours or less for free. Keep in mind, that's if you're already paying the annual Prime fee, which is around $119 a year. It's not just big players getting in the grocery delivery game. Now, both Postmates and DoorDash, known for bringing you your late-night Chinese food, are also vying to bring you your week's grocery haul. Which means, even though Amazon's making a bold move here, it hasn't yet won the war over who gets to stock your fridge. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from humans who insist on dressing up their pets on Halloween. Are you so mad at <laughs> me, Turns out, Americans love dressing up their pets for Halloween. According to a new study by the National Retail Federation, the pet costume industry is valued at nearly half a billion dollars this year. And that number is probably going to keep going up, since the pet industry market in the U.S. is growing at around 4% each year. So if that means more kitty cats dressed as unicorns and dogs dressed up as ambulances, We're here for it. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.